Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, with this year wrapping up and getting the close as we break into December right here, getting the close at the end of the year, there's lots of things that have come to completion. One of those things that have come to completion is the Real Street Pump Gas VW Series. Now, that drag race series goes through the races that they take place at Irwindale, and there's a series of races they go through, and the premise behind this is these are Real Street Pump Gas cars. They all meet up in the morning together at a gas station that's about 20 miles away from their first race. They all fuel up and drive to the first race. Nobody kind of messes with their cars other than some slight changing your tires and some things like that when you get to the track. But other than that, you kind of run what you're wrong. And this year was the first year somebody had broken into the six-second bracket. That person's David Ruiz, who also happened to win the series this year. So on today's podcast, I've got David Ruiz, and we're going to talk about Real Street how the class was formed, how it's all been put together, and the evolution of where it started, where it's at today, and what's going to be happening for next year. So uh, before we get into that, let's make sure that we support our sponsors, VWTrendsMagazine.com, a magazine for the people, by the people, some of the latest and greatest coverage, tons and tons of features in this magazine, and lots of event coverage. So make sure you guys support that magazine by going to VWTrendsMagazine.com. So subscribe today. Also, if you're tired of junky, clunky aftermarket parts for your VW, get some high quality stuff that's available through Ross Wolf. On their website, they've got a variety of things, dash plates for your buses if your dash is all hacked up, to Viton gaskets, to dipsticks, velocity stacks, pulley setups, all kinds of stuff. Really, they've taken their time to engineer a lot of these things. And it's high performance quality aftermarket parts designed by VW enthusiasts and brought to you with a level of customer service second to none. So make sure you guys check out Ross Wolf. One of the things that I really like are those Viton sump gaskets. Your oil plate on your VW usually has a paper gasket on it. You put a little bit, bit of Permatex on both sides, put it back in there. Then you got to get a new gasket every time. Well, now Ross Wolf's come out with some Viton silicone based gaskets. They go right on the motor, reusable every time, clean them up, put them right back on. So get your VW dialed in with a magnetic oil plug and a Viton sump plate gasket. So get you guys all set up. Make sure you check that out. Go to RossWolf.com. Their website, rosswolf.com. Pick up some cool aftermarket stuff for your VW. Real Street Champ for 2022, David Volkstroke Ruiz on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, so on the phone today, I've got uh, this year's Real Street champ, uh, Dave Volkstroke Ruiz. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hello, guys. How are you? Hey, so this year, you were the first, you won the championship, and you were the first guy to do something pretty special in the Real Street championship. You broke into the sixes. Um, who yeah. Now... Because a lot of people, some people do, some people don't know about Real Street. You know, a lot of the guys in Southern California and down here in the West Coast, we know because we go to the shows and stuff like that all the time. But to somebody out there in the Midwest or the East Coast, give me an, an overview of the, what the Real Street is so that everybody understands what a big deal this is for these cars to run now in the sixes. All right, well, it all started pretty much with the Cal Look handbook, like the original Cal, Cal, uh, Cal Look, which was... Uh, 
um, you know, IDA powered cars, uh-huh. all motor cars, big motor cars that have that look like normal cars that have doors, windows working, glass windows up front, the um, working lights, normal normal cars that qualify. Every everybody when you show up to a to a to a show here in SoCal or anywhere that has a bunch of Cadillac cars, they all qualify. Right. So, it, it, you have to have a stock intake stud location, pretty much a dual port head mm-hmm. with the stock stud location, right? So, if you if you take the um, the IDM manifold off, you should be able to put a, an MP1 on there or a stock casting on there, and that's pretty much the the, the basis of it all, right? The, the stock intake port stud location. So, the premise behind Real Street is these are actual street cars, cars that you can drive for a distance on the street. And I mean, obviously, you guys try to ride the line to the edge, right? To how, how fast you can make them and still make them streetable. Now, the qualifications to make them streetable to run in Real Street is they've got to run on pump gas. Yeah. So, we show up in the morning at mm-hmm. the gas station right by the track. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Whoever drove it there, because we have people coming from out of town and out of state. So you show up, some some of those cars come in trailers, obviously, right? And then you show up and you fill up your whatever gas you're going to run for the day, mm-hmm. right there at the pump, you fill up your 91 octane. And then uh, the race director, Dino Mendoza, goes and like pretty much checks your tank, checks your car, and then you fill up and he puts void stickers on the gas tank, seals it up. And then, um, and then everybody gets together at that same gas station, and we all roll together. About twenty, we ride twenty miles from the six hundred five to the um, to the fifty seven on Arrow Highway. It's a it's a pretty nice drive. And then we come back, and then we go straight to the track where we run heads up. So you qualify, you get three runs to qualify. You acquire points by doing the cruise, by attempting to qualify each run. Mm-hmm. And the way we run is the quick eight get to run heads up. So let's say like the first the first one of the year we had a couple cars that didn't cut that didn't cut it. They only ran about I believe the cutoff was seven seventy. Yeah. And we had a couple cars running seven eighties that didn't make it. So those guys get to run on Pro Eliminator or something else. And then um, we run the quick eight. And what that does is you have a you have our heads up round every round until the final. So you have your three qualifiers, and from there you build a pro uh, pro tree style ladder. Which number one versus number eight, number two versus number seven, number three versus number six, and that's how you get your rounds for elimination. Right, and so these cars, when you go, so basically it's an elimination, fastest versus slowest, and eliminating that way until the final round. So how many rounds do they do throughout the day after you're qualifying? If we have the quick, if we have eight cars, mm-hmm. it's three rounds of elimination. If you have the only reason we would run uh, a 16-car ladder is if we have more than 12 cars. Right. And and the purpose of that is to not have a bunch of buy runs because most people on the stands do not understand what that is. And it's um, it's just not really that fun when you have a bunch of buy runs. Now, buy run so, is, when, is when a guy just has to run because he's got to run, but there's no one for him to race against. Exactly. And that's kind so of that's boring. That's the main reason. Yeah, people in the stands are like they don't understand what happened. Yeah. So that's that's the main the main reason why we we 
only runs the quick eight for for that purpose for the show. And since Real Street's been going, now what are the four? You guys race four times throughout the year. There's four races you do for at no, Irwindale. It's only three. It's called it. It's called a triple crown because okay. it's three races. Okay, so you only- and you gotta start acquiring your. There's also you get you get points for the uh, each round mm-hmm. of qualifying. If you qualify number one in that round. You acquire an extra three points. If you have um, the top mile an hour of the day, gets another point. Every round that you make it, you get more points. So you start acquiring all those points in every race. Like the beginning race, the first one of the year, I had issues with my ignition. Yeah. Even though I qualified number one, my first round of elimination, I lost. Uh, I lost ignition, and I lost to the slowest guy on the first round. So that really hurt my points. And then Jesse went out to win the race. And so that put him in number one for the championship position. So you had to, for, so in order for you to win this year, you had to, you started behind, behind the beginning. Yeah. The, the, the first one really hurt me. The only thing that kind of helped me was to have the, those points from the number one qualifying position, but still, I was still behind. I was behind probably 60, 80 points behind the number one guy. The second race this was interesting because uh, we had um, Clink, Tony Clink. He took out Jesse on the first round of eliminations. Mm-hmm. So that really hindered him. And then that ended up putting Mike Jones and I tied up for the, even though we went to the finals and I won that race on the second race. We had the exact amount of points, both oh. of us. So we were both tied up for number one. So this last final was a tiebreaker, and it was it was really interesting. It was it was gonna be it, it was either all, one of us. It, like whoever made one more round, whoever did a little better than the other, was gonna win it. So it was between me and Mike Jones. It was pretty cool. Now all the cars that run in this, I mean, do you guys have if you guys have the quick eight, the cars that are running in this are they're all fairly well matched up as far as motors, engine displacement, and all that stuff. Yeah, all these cars they have a twelve point five pounds per cubic inch. Mm-hmm. So what they do is so, so what we have is three weight categories. The seventeen hundred and thirty pound cars mm-hmm. have twenty two seventy sixes. The seventeen hundred and seventy five pounds have 2332s and the 1825 pound cars have 2387s the first race i showed up at 1887 pounds really the second race i showed up at 17 uh 1847 pounds i took the bumpers off i did some weight loss i did some whatever i had to do to get down right right and the very final i showed up at bare minimum weight 1825 so 1827, I, I was a couple pounds over, but that's perfect because you waste gas while you're running, and it, now, was, it was a good. Now that's a question I had. If everybody everybody fills their tank in the morning, or you put as much gas as you think you need to put? Yeah, you put. That's a that's you see that's a good one because we have you you can only put gas in the morning, right? So you kind of have to know how much your car is doing miles per gallon, right? Because you have to do the cruise. And then you still have to race all day. And for the final, I run out of gas. They had asked me, the official have asked me, hey, you want to top it off? And I was like, well, I've been running four gallons around there every race. I think it should be fine. I, and I get to the burnout box and my car starts acting funny. And I was like, man, I turn it off. I, look, I turn on the pump and you can hear it struggling for fuel. So I immediately stopped and I asked him, I asked my pit guy, I was like, go ask Sean if he's cool with me 
getting gas, filling up. So we have to get the official that, that has the gas that he buys in the morning when we all fill up in the morning. Right. For him to come over and, and top me off. And they go and ask, and then they're topping me off, and then they go and ask him. They're like, wait, how much did you put? He's like, well, maybe you should get topped off too. <laughs> and we ended up getting topped off in the final. But well, normally what we would have done is um, try to add fuel at the end or drain what you have left and run the fuel that he got in the morning. Right. But not everything goes according to planning because sometimes you get hot. Like you barely coming back to your pit and they're already telling you, you got to run. You got 10, 15 minutes max. And you have to make, you make your turnaround to the final because we don't want to be racing here at four in the afternoon. Like you have to be here now, mm-hmm. especially this time because there was a bunch of preliminary cars. There were so many cars they kept on running, even though all the finals were done. Those cars still have to do three or four more rounds. Yeah. So scheduling conflicts a lot of the stuff sometimes, and the the way that the races start a little later than they should, all this stuff just gets in the way. But. It was cool. We got, we topped off and we still ran our final. I ran against Sean and, um, it was, it was, it was cool. He read it. He, he took off. Um, it would have been a really, really close race. He, I ran an old nine and he ran a seven eleven. Yeah. Which for the heat of the day, it reflects it. We always slowed down a little bit on the later on in the afternoon because the, the weather conditions, you know, it gets hotter, it gets muggy. On uh, the track, sometimes you know the grease comes out in the track, and it just gets worse. So I mean, and you and, like and you guys are really battling for like in most cases like less than half a second. Oh, but, it's way less than that. We yeah. had a, uh, I believe the second race we mm-hmm. had, I qualified with a two uh, seven seventeen, and then we had Jesse run a seven nineteen, then we had Mike Jones run a seven nineteen. And we had um, Sean run a 21. Um, we had uh, a couple 24s. So, I mean, you're talking about, like, everybody was within a thou of each other. Like, uh, between a tenth of each other. I so, mean, that's that's like you, you shift too late and you lost the race. Like, I mean, it's, it's oh, getting yeah. down. And, yeah, I mean, um, I believe, uh, yeah, Clink, Clink won that race with a slower time against Jesse. Because he, I believe he ran a 30 and Jesse ran like a 24, but Clink still won because it's his reaction time. Yeah. Uh, there was a race, probably the best race of the season was between me and Mike Clink. I ran um, I ran a 21 or a 22 against his 24. My car was hurt. The diff was a little hurt. So I was leaving the line in a way that the, the tire will spin a little bit so I wouldn't break it. And um, I got a 60 light. I believe he got an 80 light. So I, I treat him a little bit, but he out 60 footed me. He he got in front of me and I reeled him in way until the end after like 500 feet. I just went up barely past him. And it was, it was, I was hopping in my seat to get around that guy. <laughs> it was hard. And, and that was, that was really good racing. And this year you, you debuted a new car this year. Yeah. Yeah. I got the, I got the oval out this year. I don't know. It wasn't really planned. It was kind of like last minute. Beginning of the year, I, I I decided to go for it and, and, and build that whole car. Now, how nervous did it make you to start this season with a new car, a completely different car? It was. It was, especially when I put it on the scales and they said 1887. Uh, a couple of the contenders were like, well, you just took yourself out of the number one spot. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of did. I, I was thinking in my head, I, I messed up. I should have not, you know, but... 
I'm already here. It is what it is. So let's let's go, right? Because the car was complete, had bumpers, back seat, absolutely everything in it, and I was I was just like, let's do it, you know? They were like, well, you're trying to prove a point. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm already here. Let's let's just keep going. But I ended up running the first hit on that car was a seven seventeen, no seven nineteen, seven nineteen. First hit on that car was a seven nineteen, which was which was um, four down from the record. And the very second hit, I ran the record number at seven fifteen. So that made me really happy that the car actually liked to hook. The car hooked up very well. My suspension settings were on point. My clutch was on point. Everything that I did was just working very happily. I and, mean, um, even even overweight, you were running fast. Yeah, even with 50, 60 more pounds than my other car, it was still it ran the record number. When I knew I had a hot rod, because I mean, I was like, man, I'm this heavy, and it already ran the record number. So any mile an hour the highest on the day. So I knew that that car, the car, if I just worked on it a little more, it was gonna be, it was gonna be quick. I knew it was gonna go old for sure. And um, the second race is the the one in the middle of the year, mm -hmm. which is uh, June, and the weather is obviously hotter and all that stuff. So everybody was a little slower. I qualified with a 17, but my my final I believe I ran a 21 or 22 against Mike Jones with a 24. So we were like super close to each other again i just treat them i left i left i uh, had a good reaction time and that was enough to take the win on the second race and that final i did a little bit of testing and i showed i, I did a wave reduction i showed up and when i saw the first hit uh, uh when I, I didn't bring a trailer or anything i drove it i, I drove it there and um when I when I ran it, the first hit was a seven oh two at ninety six eighty five. Wow! So I was I was, when I saw that ticket, I was so excited because I knew when I saw that bad sixty that the car was gonna go sixes that day. All I had to do was do the right adjustments to make the car sixty a little better, and he would definitely give me a six. And then I start I went a seven oh five on the second one, a seven one zero on the third qualifier. So I was obviously going the wrong way. But that's still very consistent. A 702, 705, and a 710. Yeah. And then I, I went back the other way with my adjustments for the first round of elimination, which was against the slowest guy of the class, which is a really cool guy. I, I mean, the guy, he's, he's, he's been in it for a few years now. He shows up. He builds all his own stuff. He's a really cool guy, Evan. And um, he's very supportive to the class. He's a really cool guy. And... Uh, I, I I had lost to him in the first race due to my ignition failure, so I was really nervous. I was more nervous about that race than than the final or any other race because I was like, man, this guy already got me once, and I can't let this happen again. Right. So I was just I I, I really was um, just trying to get the car to taking that hit as a test hit, but at the same time I still had to take it seriously, and uh, and I lost it, and the car just took it and it, it was i did perfect shifts on on, on the uh, down the track and, and man i knew it was a six second pass when i crossed the line looked at my review mirror and there was just something like so like quiet about it like something so subtle that happened that uh, it, i knew it was a six second hit yeah. because the way the car hit the way the car the, the way i dug into that seat and how smooth it went and how straight it went I just knew it was a six-second hit, and sure enough, when I got out there to the end, uh, Lizard pulled up, and he was doing backflips, man. He was so happy. I was, I was really happy to do that.
Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely. It's definitely crossed the threshold in the real street class, and for that, for you guys to be around running in the sixes, obviously, then it just continues to keep pushing the bar. How fast do you think? How much more do you think you guys can get out of those cars? I mean, because you guys are you got to you got to run real precise because you're trying to maximize your compression without detonating on 91 octane fuel. And is there a it, it, do you how many how much faster do you think you guys can squeeze out of that? And what's the limiting factor right now? Is it is it ignition electronics? Is it um, carb tuning? I'm like what what is what is giving you the most that you can get out of those cars? Um, um, I think I can do more work to the carburetors. Yeah. Um, I, um, there's some cool stuff out there that I don't even have on there, like profile shafts and like all the butterflies and all this stuff that. I haven't done any of that. Um, so you're just running out of the know. out it, of the it, box forty eights. They're Sean. Sean build them. They're uh-huh. pretty nice, but they don't have a lot of the trick stuff that some that that, that that's out there. This still doesn't. We still haven't done none of that. We there's still a little bit of improvement you can do on that. I believe there's um, uh, shifting points. I think that I could I could get that a little better. Uh, the car to sixty foot it's crucial to get it to 60 even better. That will be nice. Mm-hmm. And, um, this just, everybody's catching. I mean, there are people, people are right there. So you cannot just sit back and be like, Oh yeah, you have to keep in working on your car and working on your combo because even the run, the second elimination run where I took out Jesse, he ran at 13 and he had never run at 13. So he picked up definitely. Right. So he's got, he's got the power. And he's and his sixty foot was a bad sixty. I have to slip. If he can get his car to sixty as well, that car will be running oh. Sean's running oh two. He took me out of number one qualifier with a seven oh two with a two. I run a seven oh two with a six. So Fort Dalloway, that's how close this field has gotten. Uh Paradise, they're bringing they they brought their car, they had issues with the transaxle, but I'm pretty sure they when they come back they they have something. Um obviously they'll have something fast. They have mile an hour like a like like the same amount hours we're carrying, so they 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 definitely got the power. They just need to get the car to work a little better. We had a uh, uh, Chuck Sutler from Lake Havasu. He's he's his car's gone twenties. He just had some issues hooking up. Uh, Lizard had issues hooking up. There's just people that did work to their car and that didn't benefit them. It actually hurt them. Right. So that's a thing that happens. You know, you you try to make adjustments and changes to your car, and and it just goes the other way. It goes the wrong way. The way things are now, now last year, did you win the championship last year? Yeah, I won the championship last year, and it was it was close last year as well. It was very close. So this, I, I actually only won one of the races last year, but I still ended up winning the championship because I have points accumulated from my, for for our qualifying. I, I qualified number one every run. What was some of the what were some of the big challenges this year that people faced across the board? Was there any big disputes and and no. and controversy this year? Everything was pretty quiet this year. Every everything was quiet this year. Settled down. The the class of the the rules have not changed, and so everything's pretty much settled down. The um. The only issue that I saw most people having was traction, which was getting the cars to hook up. Right. That was the most interesting thing I seen uh, of the season, because the power, it's there. Most of these guys have it. It's they're right there. It's just um, getting the cars to hook up. And uh, I mean, Sean, Sean is gonna push it to another level because his car, his car sounds crazy, man. That thing is fast, and 
and uh, he's still spinning. So when he gets that car to to sixties, it will be it'll be another car in the sixes for sure. And now, you know, I had a few episodes ago. I had um, I had uh, my guy from uh, from the Midwest from Mil- from uh, back east on the phone. Well, not back east, Midwest. Uh, Prescott and Prescott Phillips was on the podcast, and those guys. There's about five of them that were running the uh, drag week this week. Do you guys have any yes. interest in doing some drag week stuff? The thing about uh, all motor setups is that the gearing is really short. And when you got to drive 280 miles to the next track, right? the turbo guys have no problem because they have tall gears on the freeway. They'll mm-hmm. be going 70 miles an hour, no problem. But with the, with the all motor gearing, you're going 55, 60, 55, 60, and you're pushing it. So that's the thing about that. You're running quarter mile out there, so you have to have short gears for for our cars to run the numbers that we run. And uh, it's just uh, it's a lot of driving for right. for um, for the setup. We ha- now we have five speeds on there. It'll be a different story, be more feasible. But if you break those ring and pinion, now you're waiting how long to get another ring and pinion? Right. Which happens three times a year or two times a year, depends on how hard you're running it. So that's a, that's a challenge all in its own. It's a cool thing to do. I would definitely consider doing that if I had like a turbo car, like a turbo street car is definitely the way to go. Right. But on the aspirated versions, it's it's hard because you're, you're higher compression and you're driving on the freeway for, for hours. So that's just, with a turbo, you're not making any boost. You're just cruising at 3,000, 3,200 RPM with no boost. So they this and the compression on a on a turbo motor is usually relatively a little lower than the all motor setup. So you're you're able to keep the head cool for the majority of the drive. So that's the major. And then another thing would be fuel injection, all that stuff that they have on those cars. It's it's nice. But we're still running carburetors and <laughs> old school stuff. This is pretty old school. Everything on this car is still very old school. And you guys are, and, and the reason that they do that is to try to get more people to race in that particular exactly. class. The, the, the way that the rules are intended was to get, when you pull up to a DKP me or a DKK me, mm-hmm. for every single one of those cars to qualify. All they have to do is put a set of cheaters on there, like cheater slicks, mm-hmm. and um, and go out there. I mean, some of, most of those cars even have cages on them, so or roll bars. So that, that was the initial intention was to get clubs to go out there and run. Very nobody really did, but some um, some of them did. So, do you think the reason? So, the reason you guys stay carbureted on real street is because you guys you guys are kind of all old school, and then I guess anybody in the turbo setup right could just dump the money in and win, right? Like if you got if you got the most sophisticated turbo setup, you'd come in a clean house and have a quote unquote street car, right? Yeah, there's that. There's the, definitely the, the, the turbos. It's just whoever dares to put more boost in it. And, um, I mean, you still have to have a good driver and all that stuff comes into effect. The, the, the tuner, the everything, the engine build, the car working, everything has to match. But there's a reason why those classes are, you know, like the limited street's been dead for a few years now because they died down. It's more expensive. It's It's... When you blow up a turbo motor, you destroy it. 
Like, they they blow everything out because that motor will, even if it's hurt, that motor's still making 400 horsepower to the wheels, even if it's falling apart. Right. We're on an all-motor setup. You feel right away when you lose a cylinder. Like, your car loses a third of the horsepower immediately, so you just stop, and you don't hurt it. If you're throwing a rod through your block on an aspirator motor, it's because either the rod broke or something broke, like straight up broke. Right. Not because you're, if you're, if you're hurting it, if, if it's hurt and you're still running it, that, that's on you. That's you. You shouldn't even be running it. Right. Now, with your setup that you have, how often, I mean, typically the guys that are doing this, how often are you breaking down your whole setup and going through it? Are you doing that during the season? Or are you able to get it all dialed in at the beginning of the season and usually you can run it the whole season without having to tear the motor down? I did it. I did it once. We did it once for the final. I wanted to go out testing, and I knew that if I put more hits on it on the testing, then it wasn't going to be 100% for the final. So I had it. We, uh, we took it to Sean's, went through everything, and I went testing. And then I disabled it and just saved it for the final. And now when you go through that motor after the first two races in the, in the series, what kind of what wear and tear are you seeing on it? Nothing really bad. It's, it's just uh, you see the, the, the cam a little lower than normal. You'll see um, spring fatigue. But the same parts go right back in. There's absolutely nothing that's uh, just basic little stuff like valve springs. And and that's it, really. Yeah. It, it took the same rod bearings all year. It didn't change nothing. So it nice. was just valve springs and just looking at everything, make sure it's wearing good, make sure nothing's hurting. And oh, I changed rod bolts, rod bolts too. But I'm on the same rods for two years, the same pistons for two years, the same case, the same motor's been there for two years. It's just been getting uh, valve springs and valve jobs. That's pretty much it. Nice. Well, that's cool, man. Well, congratulations on on winning the championship. And hopefully, are there any up and coming guys that are just starting to build stuff for coming out there? Yes. I, I hear some rumors on the street that there's some people building some stuff to come out. To the real street club. Yes, I really, I really hope so. That, that my best advice for everybody that wants to come out is just to come out. Yeah. Like, like Chuck did it. Like Chuck, his car wasn't even ready, and he was out here supporting the class with his normal, with his. He bought a normal street car, put the nine motor in it while the car was getting done. But he got seat time. He got to meet us. He got to run with us. He got to know how we run the whole program. So by the time his race car was done, or he's and he's out here with us with his with his real street car with his purpose built car. Then he already he already knew what to expect. He already he was not that far behind, and that's a that's the thing. The longer you sit out and plan for next year and next year, it's just the worse it's gonna get. The, the more discouraged you'll become because the cars are only gonna get quicker, and if you don't get in the mix, it's gonna be harder for you to catch up. Because it's been a this has been a chase for four years. This number, the six ninety run, was uh, everybody's goal, even. From the very beginning, when we started going 70s, and then we started going 60s, 50s, and then Jesse showed up around 40s, and then then they're running 30s, and then Mike Jones ran like a 30 with a big wheelie, and yeah. then the next race we're all running 20s, and then I jump in the 20s. I was always behind a little bit, and then I jump in and, and start running 20s. Then we get in the teens. I was, I was I believe I was the first one in the teens, and then the next race they have three guys in the teens. And I actually was the first one also to be in the O's and the first one in the sixes. 
So, but like I said, we, we have been, ca- like, as soon as one does something, there's another car that's right behind you on your heels. So it's, it's been a competition for, for all, for the entire lifespan of this race, of this class of category has been chasing each other now. And what's been the biggest evolution of, or the biggest improvements that you've done that have led to your car running faster? I mean, what, like from the first season you raced to now, what's, what's the biggest differences that you've made? Hmm. They driving. If you look at my shifting has definitely improved. Um, from when I used to run the, the Broomhilda, the old, the old car, right? I would hurt my transmission all the time for just shifting it too quick before clutching it and just hurt it. And then I had to grandma, granny shift it for the rest of the event because I had it hurt. I had, I had a knocked out of a synchro, I bent it out of shape, and, and that, that would hurt it. That would hurt the times that you can run. Uh, learning how to launch it, losing the fear of of having the cars on the limiter when you get hung up at the light. All those little things that just come into effect to make you a better driver. Um, and then just learning how to tune your car to get the, the car to stop spinning tire, all that stuff is what really, really makes a big difference. Now, because the power, it's been there for a few years already. It's just hasn't been squeezed out of the car. And traction, would you say traction's a pretty big thing, like as far as how the car hooks up and goes? Yeah, because we're not running a slick. We're running a cheater slick, a DLT tire that is not very consistent. You can, you can like, the track temperature changes, and next thing you know, your car's spinning or it kind of wants to wheel hop a little bit, and then you're like, wow, I have fixed my wheel hop, and now I have it again, yeah? Yeah. So stuff like that that just happens out of nowhere. Like, you can be a perfect run, you don't change anything, and then you go run again at the exact same settings, and now the car, like, does, like, a mid-wheelie or uh, just something weird. And, and that's, that's due to the tire. Interesting. So that's, if you had a slick, if everybody was running a slick, you'll be a lot more consistent. You'll have more people having less issues with the, um, with the launching of the car, which yeah. would make a little better launching for everybody. But then that loses the, uh, that loses the whole street feel. So you have to have a tire. Right. Now, you have to have a deal now on the on are all these cars running type one boxes is, is like I mean what's the structure of the rule setup as far as drivetrain does it have to be all VW motor is it just is the limitation carburation heads and displacement can you use aftermarket case can you I mean like what yeah you can run aluminum blocks you can run that's the thing this class is not designed for you to tear your car, car apart we don't there's there's no um we didn't want to make a pro gas type race that everybody has to have the same head everybody has to weigh the same lift everybody has to have the same valve intake like super stock and all those other categories because mm-hmm. these are your street cars and if you drove it there you don't want to tear your motor apart because how are you going to drive it but how are you going to go to the cruiser you know it just doesn't make sense for you to be tearing apart so the, the restrictions are all external and the one thing that is that you do have to check but you can check it without having to tear the motor apart will be the no roller can they're not allowed. You have to have a flat traffic cam. But to check that it's not that hard, you take the drain pan out. You, you should have a, an inspecting hole from the bottom that you can see your, your that you can physically see the lifters and the uh, camshaft from the bottom of the motor. But you do have to drain the oil, but that's a lot easier 
them taking a motor apart or taking your head off or any of that stuff. Right. Have, so there's no restriction on valve sizes or valve materials. The only restrictions are on the carburetors, the stuck intake port stud location, the camshaft, and the engine size. And to get the engine size, all you have to do is take the um, rockers off, and uh, they put a pump on a sill on a on a spark plug hole. Yeah. And you crank it, and that gives you a that gives you a hole uh, size per um, per cylinder. You multiply it times four. You do all four, and then that gives you the size of the engine. Oh, really? But from from the numbers that everybody's been running, it's too close for anybody to be like, oh man, they're so and so is cheating. I, I would never call anybody cheating because we're all right there. Like absolutely everybody is so close to each other. There's no red flags flying that are like, oh my god, this guy is totally cheating because you know everybody's so close. Now, have there ever been any people that have been called out and caught for uh, not being honest in the rules? Yeah, I had a I had a deal where um, the I had a gas tank set in the um, in the sun by my brother. Back then, we had different. This is like two years ago, mm-hmm. where um, you could you you could take out the. The, the, you, the fuel. you didn't have any regulations on how to seal the gas tank. That wasn't in place back then. So the whole like draining the fuel tank and, and, and keeping it out of the car mm-hmm. and putting it in an ice chest or something like that, that was a deal that went down. But it wasn't in the rules. The rules say no fuel chillers in the car. So I had, I, I wasn't even intending to chill my fuel. I just I was pissed at my brother because he left the fuel in the sun and the, and the tank ballooned up. You know how they get all fat? So, so I got, I got, I grabbed it and I put it right there in front of everybody, like right there, right? So that caused a big commotion and people were all mad and Lizard started a camp, smear campaign. It didn't go anywhere because we just adjusted the rules the next time. Okay, well, now we're going to seal the tanks, close the hoods, nobody can open nothing. Okay, cool. We rolled with that and the cars didn't have, suffer any performance disadvantages whatsoever. Everybody ran the same. So they ran the same, so... Ultimately, there wasn't a big difference. Everything was kind of right there, regardless of those little. I mean, chilling your fuel before that. I mean, what would it? What would it ultimately make by the time you have it in a chiller and then you pump it into the fuel? You're going to lose any temperature gain that you probably had. Yeah, and then and then you still have to go through your fuel pump. That I don't even have a return system, so the pump gets really hot. Right. So I don't know. I didn't see a significant advantage. Um, uh, that's, we when we did the uh, that it was just a few adjustments on the rules when it came to that. Mm-hmm. We we're like, okay, another adjustment on the rules was the tires, right? Uh, being able to swap your wheels from the wheels that you do your cruising to the wheels that you do your racing in, because for for safety reasons, we we're like, well, what if we all go cruising in the morning and then one of us gets a flat tire? How are we gonna find a tire guy at five in the morning out here? It didn't make sense. Right. To lose a racer, to lose a racer because you wouldn't be able to change your tires. So we're like, okay, how about we let the um, be able to swap your tires when you get to the track, like just so you can. You still have to do the drive. Everything in the car is the same. It's just the wheels. Right. So we did that, and and it's been fine. I I think it's good because of that same reason. Like, it would suck for you to be DQ just because you got a flat tire. And you can change, so you can have your race wheels at the track or have them bring them separately so you can, because some of those super yeah. lightweight aluminum wheels, you hit a pothole out in the road and that wheel is done. Exactly. That's another reason. So you get there, you swap your tires, you put your, you know, you put your wheels on and you go to tech. You get weighed in. 
you get weighed in every round, even if it's a qualifier run. If you do not get your weight in, the round is voided. So you have to get a weight on your car um, before you make a run. If the car's not legal to wait, that run does not count. And it doesn't count to your attempting to qualify points either. Oh, wow. So you have to have your car weigh the proper weight every round you go down the track. So that's another one. We have scales right there. Unfortunately, Mark Turnblain's not, uh, not no longer with us. He was the guy that was doing that for us all these years since I ever started racing. Uh, it was unfortunate. Passed away. Yeah, he was a really cool guy. But um, we have somebody else stepped up, and, and they're helping. I believe it's a DKP member that's doing that now. Yeah, they're helping tech the cars. Yeah, that's unfortunate he passed away, man. That's a, that's a bad deal. Yeah, Mark was cool, man. But it was cool. Now, well, congratulations on your uh, on your second consecutive year winning, and uh, it's it's interesting because you know I only know watching this from afar, being where I'm at, and you know people, it, you know, everybody's got something to say, especially if they're not racing. And so I think anybody that wants to come out and race and run with you guys, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, I've got. I bought a drag bug earlier this year, so I get out there and just start racing a little bit and just see what's going on. So I have yet to take it on the track. She's just been sitting here in my driveway, and so I've just been busy with so many things. But my plan is to get it out, test and tune here in town, kind of get it dialed in and maybe hit the first race this next season coming up in the drag bug. Just take it out there and go have some fun with it. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Definitely get it out there. Have fun. Who knows? I may eventually end up uh, put, putting a, a real street thing together. I know that I heard some – some people, uh, my buddy Adam Wick here in town's building a motor for some guys that run a real street, and uh, yeah, I know that's yeah. Uh, there's gonna be cars coming for sure. This car's coming. Uh, I, I I want I want more cars. I mean, it's it's fun, you know, when you have a tight feel like that. It makes good racing, and that's the whole point of it. Yeah, you don't want a free win. You want you want some competition. So that's 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 a good one right there to get a couple more guys out here like great engine builders whoever's doing this like uh it's an engine builder like it really is a great challenge for yourself to 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 you know to to try to get a program together for this because you're competing against everybody else now if people want to if people want to run real street where do they go to get the the rules and all that kind of stuff is there a spot we can send them to where they can pick all that stuff up and get all the all, all the details for the class and the rules and restrictions so that they can show up ready to ready to race? Yeah, I'll give you Dino Mendoza is the, is the class director. Uh-huh. And uh, he can email you a form of with all the with the rules printed. Um, he can give you – there's a Facebook group called Real Street. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually where everything on their – on the um, the rules are right there on their files. Um, that's pretty much it. It's 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 just a rule book. It's it's a few pages, like two pages long. It's not that much. Nice. So if you guys go to Real Street, uh, Real Street Facebook page, you'll see it, and there's a link on there on the on the page where it says uh, files. You can click on that, and there's a Word document that'll show all the files that uh, if you want to see all the rules and all the details yeah. uh, in respect to the racing class. I mean, I think it'd definitely be something worthwhile for people to check out, especially guys that want to come, that may want to tow in. I mean, it's a little ways away if everybody's coming out of California. You know, there's a lot of guys. There's some fast guys in Phoenix. There's a lot of fast guys in Texas and Colorado and all over the place. So hopefully yeah, we'll see there's, some. There's a lot of support, though. There's a, it's, yeah. it's good support. There's money for big burnout, money for for the biggest wheel stand. There's um, 
they're obviously winning money, running money. There's about six, seven hundred dollars that goes to first round, second round losers. You pretty much race for free in Real Street because there's a lot of sponsors giving us money for us to do it. Because even if you lose first round, there's a pretty big chance that you're gonna take home two hundred fifty bucks or three hundred dollars. It just depends on how much it is that day, but. That that's another cool thing that there's there's money for a lot of different things like highest mile an hour, lowest ET, the winner, the um, I believe there's another one for um, for the best reaction time, best whole shot win, uh, best team etiquette. There's a lot of stuff that just gives you money to to just as an incentive. At least you get to race for free, even if you go lose. At least you didn't lose any money. You got your you got your gas money back. You got your entry money back. And you, and you got to practice, you know, so sure. it's good. No, I think it's, I think it's a, it's definitely a, a fun class. It seems like something that we should be able to get people to be able to run and uh, check that out. But, you know, we'll see a lot of people got some, a lot of people got some fast motors and maybe they're not running them anymore. Maybe they put them in a street car, come out to real street and see what they could do. But, um, man, Dave, I appreciate you for coming on the podcast and getting, again, congratulations on winning your second consecutive year as a real street champ. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to next year. And now who, who are the players who are ultimately the players to look out for next year? Obviously you're one because you're one of the contenders, but who's really, who's really going to be coming to the table with something different. You think, uh, Mike Jones keeps on getting faster every race. He, he keeps on bringing this last one. He did not he had some, I don't think his driving was all that great. This last one, but um, he's, 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 Definitely showing improvement every race. He's, he steps up and he's in the teams. And he's he's running pretty good. Um, Jesse, obviously, he ran two record personal best this last race. So I'm sure they did a lot of work to that car to get it to do that. And uh, they're not going to stop. I believe um, th- those guys from Wick. Then there's uh, Chuck's building on something else because he had problems. This last race, we lost a few guys because Chuck uh, he had a, a, he pretty much laid his car on the side. Uh, testing it mm-hmm. so he has to fix that car and come back next year that that car is uh, that car is fast too it's, it's, it's done pretty good and uh, Paradise I know they will bring something back that's good um, uh, Clink Tony Clink the Clink brothers they man they're racers man they're yeah. racers they do they, they're hardcore so I'm sure that when they come back they'll, they'll bring their A game and um yeah, there's 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 some guys out there building stuff. I just you know, like I said, it's hard to get parts sometimes. I understand it's not easy to with with everything you got going on in your life to still put all this time and effort into a car to go out there and try to break it. Yeah. But um I, I recommend it man. It's it's fun. It's it's uh it's fun. Well we'll for sure. for, we'll for sure see if we can't uh if if we can't put something together, go out there and have some fun with you guys for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, cool. Well, Dave, man, congratulations again, man, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me, man. You Have got a good it. one. All right, brother. Thanks. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.